We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Join us on the line right now is Public Service Commissioner Devante Lewis. Devante, welcome back to the show, bud. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We had a nice conversation last time, and I'm sure we will again today. Uh, a local news website, Verite, has compiled 20 years of Energy New Orleans electric and gas rates, reading from their website. We found that the energy bills are rising at the fastest pace in nearly two decades, even for customers who kept their energy usage exactly the same. The average New Orleans resident paid 1345 a year back in 2019. In 2022, that same customer would pay 2148 that is a 60 percent increase if you add gas charges average monthly bills go from 135 to 215 and bills will rise even higher if the city council approves energy's controversial 1.3 billion dollar proposal for storm resilience upgrades which calls for another 20 percent bill hike over the next decade the rise in new orleans bills also appears to be outpacing the rest of the country. Devonte, what are the biggest drivers of these price increases, man? Yeah, I mean, I say one of the biggest drivers A is uh the the cost of natural gas as it has been a very volatile commodity, which means as it goes up, so does it go uh, so does the, the price go up. But one of the biggest drivers has really been um the lack of investment in resiliency and climate change. I think what, when we talk about that, one of the challenges is as the weather changes, you have to use more energy to keep your house cooler and warm uh, in the summer and, and, and a lot more energy to keep it warmer. And so what we're seeing is this kind of quasi mix of, of lack of investments in uh, using diversified uh, energy sources, not investing in a strong infrastructure, um, as well as the changing environment uh, that is toppled. And then to, to topple, and then when you get specifically to New Orleans, uh, you have a, a very unique system in New Orleans that where we have probably one of the smallest investor-owned utilities in Intergy New Orleans, which most people sometimes don't know, is separate from the big Intergy Louisiana that serves the rest of the customers. Mm -hmm. So when you are talking about building an infrastructure and investing um, in transmission, distribution, or generation, um, ELL, Intergy Louisiana, can throw those costs around to 1.2 million customers. ENO can only throw those costs around to 300,000 customers. Oh. So that's why if you cross over to Jefferson Parish, your energy bill typically goes down by 20 to 25% uh, because Intergy New Orleans probably is just too small, in my opinion, of a company to be an investor-owned utility servicing, especially 
in a high climate, high weather um, risk area. And so all of those factors together, I think, is making um, what we saw in that report, why New Orleans particularly is seeing this wise high uh, mm-hmm. energy use and energy bills. I see. Okay, so everybody uh, on NOLA Twitter, which is just sort of a shorthand way to refer to everybody that uses New Orleans Twitter and is always talking about politics and business and stuff on there, everybody got pretty wound up about this chart that looks like Energy Corporation's payouts to shareholders is increasing in nearly exact pace with price increases here locally. That's nearly tripling to almost $900 million in the last eight years. Is that cause for concern or... Is that what any reasonable person should expect? Is that a fair target for criticism? It's a definitely a fair target for criticism. I think we have to go back and as regulators, so as the city council who regulates Energy New Orleans and the Public Service Commission that regulates Energy Louisiana, I need to look at this. One of the things that the regulatory compact, which is the agreement that government has made with the private utility to operate the businesses, that they have the opportunity to recover costs um, if they are prudent, right? Uh, and what we have done traditionally over this last 100 years is we have just used prudency as whether or not they could justify the needs, and if they justify the needs, we approve them uh, to build. But when we think about that deeper, the only way a utility company actually really makes money is by building out infrastructure because everything else is a pass-through cost. If I use 1,000 kilowatts and 1,000 kilowatts costs uh, $30, $30 per kilowatt, that's exactly what my bill is going to say, right? But where do they make their money? They make their money in equity. They make their money in capital expenditures. And so one of the challenges that we've had to do is make sure that the capital expenditures are actually prudent to producing energy and reducing people's burden, not as a way to make a significant more amount of money, which I think has been part of the problem why you see that. Every time a utility company needs more money, they come out with a new plan to build out infrastructure. And they say, well, we need the infrastructure so I can make your your bill more affordable. But that's actually just creating more dividends and profits for shareholders. So it sounds like these, this capital expenditure, it, it, am I right that the, the gas plant would be like a really good example of this, something that you know creates wealth and equity and value for the company, but actually doesn't do anything to lower prices for consumers? Correct. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason why you've seen the sell um, is because the Intergy's gas operations was probably pulling them down into a debt ratio, which was meaning they could not, they, they didn't have, they weren't making as much of a return on equity. Right. And so their their profit margins are now going to be smaller. If you sell that company that reduces your debt, that means now you can get a better bond rating. You can now get a better interest rate when you go out to bid for these capex projects, which means now you're going to make more money significantly over time. And so. We have to look into that as a, as a regulator to say it is not simply about whether or not you can justify the build-out. It is whether or not the build-out is in the best interest to reduce energy uses, to use uh, energy sources that are great for our environment, great for our people, and great for our finances. And that's a question that I don't think regulators over the time have truly focused on. Uh, and that's something that I said when I evaluate any expenditure spending I'm looking at is how does this reduce the usage for people because we know usage lowers bills. I mean, I think when everybody, excuse me, I think everybody understands that when the product gets more expensive to produce and deliver, then customers pay more. I mean, that's the way it works in capitalism. If you're a privately owned profit-seeking company, you have a responsibility to your shareholders. 
I know you have some big feelings about whether or not electricity should be a, a commodity in the way that it is. We spoke about that last time. Is there a policy prescription that you could point to that's either in place now or could be put into place that can shield home and business owners from prices that are so high that they interfere with people's ability to live their lives and put groceries on the table and buy their medicine, et cetera? Absolutely. I think one of the things that we have to do is we have to uh, look at making sure that everything is included in our review of cost of services, whether through um, what we call a rate case and regulatory talk. And what I mean by that is let's, let's, let's do a very simple example. For instance, when you hear people say that in energy rates in Louisiana are low, they are telling you the truth. The rate significantly is low compared to our neighboring states. But here's the trick of why that's not so true. When you think about the $1 billion plan that Energy New Orleans had before the New Orleans City Council and the $5 billion plan that Energy Louisiana had before the commission, that uh, for resiliency to build up the system, that is what we call a rider. A distrib- uh, and so that would not ever go into the rate. So when I'm looking at whether or not a company's rate of equity which is their right to, to earn money, is high, I don't look at these riders because they're not necessarily a portion of that review process. And so while it is not to say that a company shouldn't make money, it is that we must ensure that every time we are reviewing, what is the equitable amount? What is the return on equity we allow a utility to make that it is comprehensive? Because right now, when we look at return on equity, if we use a formula rate plan, as Entergy Louisiana has asked, I'm not going to take in some of those money. And so that is a a significant policy that I think can protect people because as long as we are pulling out certain capital expenditures and not evaluating that in the rate and then the profit margins, you are going to constantly see an increase on your bill because your bill is reflected on the riders and the rate. Well, when we're looking at their return on equity, we're looking at the rate structure. And so I think that's a policy we can significantly do. How close are we to doing that? What what obstacles exist? Yeah. The the, the obstacles exist. I think the utilities don't want it. I mean, for instance, (laughs) I've been very clear. Um, Right now, Energy Louisiana has filed a cost of services uh, request to the commission, but they're asking for us to expand uh, their formula rate plan, which is a, a temporary review process for three years. Uh, I just want your audience to know that the commission has not done a full, full-fledged full audit on Entergy Louisiana in 10-plus years. Um, and all of these riders that I'm talking about exist outside of a, an evaluation of a formula rate plan because that builds, that builds capital expenditures. That builds shareholders' profits. And so uh, I think we th- these can be done now, and I think we just have to do it. And, 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 I, and I'm going to push significantly hard that we do a full cost of services review uh, on Entergy before we evaluate uh, their plan to raise rates. That sounds good to me. Uh, Devante, I have more that I want to ask you about St. John, the restaurant in the French Quarter, but i got to take a break. Can you stick around a few more minutes? I can stick around. I appreciate it so much. Okay, my guest is Devante Lewis, Public Service Commissioner. When we come back, I'm going to ask him just what the hell happened with St. John. They said they got their energy shut off because Entergy said, well, you owe us $40,000, but we can't find the meter. Nobody knows where the meter is, so we're going to shut your power off. Well, how did they shut the power off if they don't know where the meter is? 
I'm going to ask Devontae about that and a couple other things before I let him go. I'm Ian Hoken for Scoot. Be right back after this. Stick around. Eric Cook is the owner and executive chef of the restaurant St. John in the French Quarter, amongst other properties. Last week, he posted in a now-deleted post on Instagram. I'll just try and read some of the highlights here. The city of New Orleans is in crisis. It's being played like an old rerun of a comedy of errors. We have become blinded by the light of poor leadership and a mayor who left the building long before the curtain has even dropped. That lack of accountability runs from our city hall down to the very companies that paint an even lighter shade on our portrait of the New Orleans that once was. I'm speaking of Entergy New Orleans and Entergy Louisiana. I could loop in the sewerage and water board, but why beat a horse that's already been dead and buried? Entergy New Orleans has shut off the power to our building, a building that we do not own, a building that they do not even have the slightest idea of who is responsible for the meters that they own and installed or where those meters even exist on the property. So like all things NOLA, we pass the buck to the next administration or business owner to deal with the pile of inadequate leadership and accountability. $40,000. That is the bill that they are saying we need to pay for a ghost meter that they cannot even determine its location on the property. This is the second time they've done this to me uh, during COVID. New Orleans has changed. It's lost forever. The culture is being destroyed, yada, yada, yada. Devontae Lewis is my guest. He's a public service commissioner. This is pretty squarely in his uh, wheelhouse. Devontae, what happened here, man? Yeah, so I... Full disclosure, Intergy New Orleans is the electric provider, which means the regulator for uh, St. John Restaurant is technically the city council. And so um, a lot of people, uh, of course, reached out I to see. me because I it's kind see. of all the same thing. So I, but I did pass on, I did some initial calls, but I did pass on uh, the work to Councilwoman uh, Moreno, who I think uh, brokered the deal. But as I know, I mean, what I've discovered is we, we, we've seen this a lot with commercial users. Where, where, their, where their bills uh, are significantly high and it's making them have tough choices. And this is also what I talk about when we talk about uh, transforming our utility system. This is not just for your home. It is about for those big commercial users, those uh, those businesses that you go in and out every day. I mean, that is using a significant amount of energy. And so I think we have to be very clear we have to talk about disconnection policies. I've made that a, a priority um, that they should be, in my opinion, rare, um, but we should have a process and a procedure to ensure that if they are going to happen, uh, that customers are are aware and knowing. Um, I, when, when I talk with Intergy New Orleans, they allege it was a dispute between uh, St. John and them. I let uh, the city council as the regulator kind of broker the peace um, so I'm not sure kind of what the end solution or the end resolve was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in my conversation, um, the to, to the ghost meter part, uh, it seems to be just, I think, a, a bit of a misunderstanding on both parties. Um, Intergy New Orleans has what we call AMI smart meters, uh, but they also do take the fiscal meter away after they disconnect. Ah. Um, and so I think what happened is that uh, the since there's not a meter man going out there every month, they yeah. just ask the question of where – where is your meter? Not that they didn't actually collect that data gotcha. or know that information, okay. but that they just wanted to make sure they were precisely locating the meter they had already shut off, uh, is my understanding from talking with Intergy New Orleans. Got it. Okay. So, yes, thank you for the clarification. This is not actually your specific jurisdiction, but the reason I wanted to talk to you about this is because I see on Twitter, I mean, I, I 
this post really took off on Instagram and on Twitter. And I, I saw you being tagged in it all the time. I saw you posting about it. People are asking you on Twitter all the time for you to help them. And this is a matter of access. I mean, do you find that that's a good way to keep in touch with people who rely on your leadership and guidance for these issues? Absolutely. I mean, I think it is a kind of a, a weird setup, right? That a lot of the people of New Orleans say, hey, I went in and voted for you, but I'm not the person that controls your utilities, even though you voted for me to control utilities. It, it is the only setup, actually, I would tell you in the nation where a municipality regulates a private investor owned utility. Right. Um, so we do have a, a weird system here uh, in between New Orleans and Louisiana, and it puts me kind of in a a weird spot because one third of the people that elect me, um, I technically can't be uh, your regulator. Uh, but what I like to do is say, use my office. We built a rapport um, with Intergy New Orleans and the council to ensure that I'm not stepping on their toes, uh, but in a collaborative process. So like well, as people tag me, I brought awareness. I called uh, Intergy New Orleans and then I reached out uh, to Councilwoman Moreno, who was already working on it, and then I said, "Well, great, uh, you're, you're good, boom." So, it, so it does help because now it can leverage, especially uh, if it comes to my office before it makes it to your council mm-hmm. person's office. We we tag team and work together to ensure that all of our constituents are served. What's the relationship like between the New Orleans City Council and Entergy New Orleans right now, as far as you can see? As far as I can see, that it, it, it's a it's a productive but 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 tough regulator. I mean, they have um, they are significantly looking at their resiliency filings. Um, they have put up a, a, a significant amount of investment. So they the, the city council just revised their community solar policy to ensure that uh, community can can utilize cheaper um, generation rates. And so I think it is a it is a productive. Of, of cooperation and, and regulation. Um, I think it just makes it different that there's that there's two major companies, right, in Louisiana, um, and only one serves just the, the, the parish of Orleans and the other serves the remaining of the state. And so I think uh, that also brings some just differences because uh, I think there's oftentimes where while Intergy Corporation is headquartered in New Orleans, um, there are two different companies really in, in, in New Orleans, Intergy Louisiana, Intergy New Orleans, and then Intergy uh, Corporation. So I think sometimes that yeah. makes it a little bit hard knowing the difference between all three. Okay, great. Thank you for that. Um, going back to St. John, the executive chef owner who posted all this on Instagram, he later said in a, in a later post that it is his privilege as a well-known chef with a large social media presence. He believes that's what made swift action possible in this case. He also says that that's not really fair. And that everyone should have the same opportunity to have their adri- uh, their their needs addressed fairly and swiftly, even if they're not a you know a minor celebrity or a social media influencer or a, or a public figure. What can you do about that, if anything? Absolutely. I mean, I think that I think his point will take it in something that I said. I mean, I, I while I appreciated the attention um, that the disconnection that St. John got, I still think about. Uh, the young infant that we lost two weeks ago in New Orleans East when uh, her mother had no electricity, brought in her portable generator uh, into the house to ensure no one stole it and accidentally um, they all received carbon monoxide poisoning and the young girl died. I, I mean, and that's a story that, that, that didn't get a lot of coverage, right? Yeah. I think there was a few articles, but it didn't have an outcry. Yeah. Uh, and part of what I've said is I don't think we should be making policies 
um, that that favor uh, uh, and not trying to cut off a, a predominant business in, in the quarter, but not think about young children and seniors uh, and, and our uh, people with disabilities the same way. And so I think what we have to do is why I said disconnections, in my opinion, should not exist. But if they do, they should be very rare and they should be very uh, detailed and oriented. But I don't think we should just have this kind of willy-nilly policy where the utility company gets to just say, you know what, today I feel like cutting everybody off. Um, and, and, it, and it is and it, and it is hard. And so I think that's what I'm working on at the commission, and I'm going to talk with the, the city council as well, to build a stronger policy uh, to ensure we are not only protecting our people but our businesses. Sounds good. Look, uh, Devante, let's finish there with cutoffs, because last time you and I spoke on the air, it was in the middle of that terrible heat wave you know, where we had 40 days in a row of 110 degree heat or something like that. And at the moment, you made kind of a splash because you asked all electric utilities in Louisiana to pause shutoffs while residents were sheltering from those extreme heat conditions. I think it's reasonable to expect we'll be in the same situation next summer and the summer after that and the summer after that until the whole place falls into the ocean. Tell us how that effort went, where it is now. Yes, yeah, so uh, I was pleased to see that a vast majority of the utilities uh, voluntarily agreed Good. to that moratorium Good. as long as the governor had uh, the executive order on heat. So we saw Intergy New Orleans, Intergy Louisiana, Clico, and some of the other uh, utilities follow it. Um, but as you mentioned, this is a common phenomenon with the changing weather, right? I think we, I just saw some data that says the scientists in a few weeks will, will showcase that this was the hottest. Uh, summer uh, on record, mm-hmm. um, and we're going to start to see that. So we're going to have to, I think, as the council and the commission, uh, re-examine our extreme heat and ex- extreme weather disconnection policy, uh, because we are no longer kind of in these just high abnormal days, right? Like, uh, like you know, five years ago, it'd, it'd be rare that you have a day that's hit over. Uh, it's in a national heat advisory, right? We're yeah. we're now in places where you'll be in the national heat advisory for a month straight. Yep. And so I think we have to we have to modernize our regulation. We have to modernize our regu- our regulations to fit the current system. And I think that's been the challenge with with utility regulation. It's in a hundred year old agency, a hundred year old industry. And I think we gotta we gotta catch up to regulating it as it is today, not as it has been in the past. Cool, man. Um, uh, I got, I guess I can squeeze in one more. I just wanted to know, you you took office last December. Uh, how are you getting along with the other commissioners? What are some of the challenges that you've faced since taking office? Some setbacks, some victories, something you want to share with us about what you've been doing for the last 11 months, broadly speaking? Yeah, no, I mean, it's been great. I mean, we have worked well. I, one of the first initiatives that I've been able to pass and we're working on rules right now in a very contested vote uh, was trying to get political spending out of our utility bills. I wanted to ensure that you pay uh, your utility bill, the commercial that you see on TV, the the campaign dollar that you see uh, your state legislator get um, are the lobbying expenses uh, that they pay is not coming from your utility bills. And so we are currently working on that process right now to develop those rules. We have done um, some significant work. I think the, the biggest challenge is I think many people think the commission is more like a legislative body and we're actually more like a judicial body. Uh, hmm. When we cool. try to do a rule, we have to, we can do, people do submit testimony, they submit a data request into the record. And so I tell people, 
And I know we don't want our judges to be activists, but but the commissioners and regulators are a little bit more activist judges than we are legislators. And so I think that's been the, the challenge is that, that it is, it's slower, right? Because you can introduce a bill in the legislature and pass it within a month. You introduce a rule here in the commission, it's going to take you about six to seven months to go through the process to ensure that everyone had legal rights to to talk and engage in it. So, uh, but 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 I think we are five different people, but we have found ways to, to, to get along and work well with each other. And you'll see the votes aren't partisan. You'll look at our vote record mm-hmm. and you'll see that there's sometimes a very weird combination. I've been by myself. Uh, another's been by themselves. There's been uh, me with two Republicans, me with the other Democrat and Republican, three Republicans versus the two Democrats, uh, a Democrat and two Republicans versus a, a Democrat and Republican. So we it showcases that we're not really partisan, wow. but it's, it's, it's a lot of risk. And who do you put that risk on is the major question for the commission. Well, it sounds like the system is working as intended. I got a text here on the Oakland Art Jewelers talking text line that says uh, he sounds like a straight shooter. And I'm inclined to agree. This is very wonky stuff, Devante, and you've done a great job today of helping us understand it. Thank you for your time, your work, and your way. We'll talk again. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Anytime. Right. Take good care, brother. Thank you so much. Okay, we're going to step away and come back. We'll see how much time I have for some text messages. Probably not much, and then we will uh, hand it off to the news. I didn't get to my highlights from the debate last night, so we'll do that after the news at 3 o'clock, and then we'll talk to Jennifer Hogue Manuel, who's a fur bearer biologist and the manager of the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries Coastwide Nutria Control Program. Wow. I'm Ian Hogan for Scoot. Be right back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.